Hello and welcome back for another episode of Watch Out Movie Podcast. I am Mitch. I'm Harry. Today we we came up with the idea of um, since I don't know there's not many movies coming out, but there's a lot of movies coming out on streaming. We thought we'd like kind of do a side by side of uh, two big streaming releases in Australia for The Old Guard on Netflix and Relic on Stan, which Mm -hmm. at least last week where they're like big, like posters for these movies were kind of everywhere and they were like trending and all that. I'm not sure how they're doing now, but um, we thought we'd um, we'd do a little side by side comparison. And uh, we are a bit late to both of these, but oh well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, our last episode was Sonic the Hedgehog, so I don't think it really matters anymore. No, we've got to go slow. Um, so the old guard, I know this is based on a comic book because I remember I remember when yeah. it came out. I remember checking it out. I think my old housemate had it, but I don't. I never read it or much of it. But um, I know it was written by Greg Rucker, who I am fairly familiar with, the comics author. Right. He's like a big DC writer. He's written a lot of Batman. He wrote like Gotham Central. He wrote the 2017 Batwoman. Like he's pretty pretty renowned he wrote a series called 52 he was one of the writers on it which i really have read and really enjoyed but he apparently wrote this as one of his i don't know indie kind of projects and that i really truly don't know anything about it no uh, i i i didn't hear anything about it until um i saw like the banner poster on netflix and i'm like what the heck is this this looks kind of interesting and then i saw that people were actually talking about it online so, yeah, um, this one's had so, a bit of buzz about it. This one's had a little bit of buzz. Um, do you have any familiarity with the director of this movie, Gina Prince Bythewood? I have never heard that name before. Yeah, no, me either. I have no idea who she is. She's like like a romantic drama director. I have not. I think I've like vaguely heard of some of her movies, but I've never seen them. Right. So this is like a step out for her in like a huge like action direction is really strange sure you know good good on her i guess shall we get into a plot synopsis take it away a group of immortal mercenaries led by andrew oh shit (laughs) adromica (laughs) i i researched how to pronounce that before but then reading it when she first said her name in the movie, I was like, wait, excuse me? What did <laughs> you what? say? <laughs> what did you just say? Andromica Anyways. of Scythia, nicknamed Andy, which is much easier to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have their secret healing abilities discovered by a shady pharmaceutical company that wants to use it. Meanwhile, a new immortal is born as a young US Marine who was fatally wounded. So the group has to avoid capture and teach this new member their ways. That's pretty much the movie. Yeah, that was a very concise little synopsis. You're much better at writing the little synopsis than me. Um, Flashbacks to Invisible Man. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> ate, ate, ate too many cookies. Um, oh, yeah. God. I remember when I first read the little like IMDb teaser for this, I had a little moment where I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> it's just like... It steps dangerously close to like a little story that I've been trying to write on the back burner for like several years. And I was just like, God damn it. And I don't know, <laughs> like if you're a writer out there, this happens sometimes where you stumble across works that are like remarkably similar to your own or like completely 
to you at least, feels like a ripoff of something you're working on and you're just like, God damn it. Yeah. But uh, luckily, the actual movie was nothing like my idea. But um, oh, That's good, this, man. This is a weird one. This, this, I, this is a weird one, I think. I can't decide if this movie feels like an early 2000s movie or an 80s movie, like, stylistically. Like, the look of it, the way it's acted and written. Yeah. All, it feels like a movie from a different time. It is, it's an odd movie, and I find its res- its very warm reception quite, not mm. baffling, Ooh. but, um, what? <laughs> I, it, I wouldn't go so far as to say baffling, but I was like, it's, it's strange how warmly this seems re- received, yeah, uh, um, because I don't think it's remarkable in any way. Oh yeah, no, I think this movie kind of stinks. <laughs> I I really from the moment it started I just kind of was like oh no I do not like this just oh from, no just from like it was uh, something about it it feels like it, this movie has no style yes it drives me insane it hurts it's one my of the brain f- flattest looking movies I've seen in a while oh, flat it's is in, a good word because like it has just no contrast in like the picture and it has like no shadows it just looks like flat either yep. commercial or like um soap opera lighting like i it just has no look and none of the cinematography feels inspired in any way outside the action sequences which sure. i thought were, were actually good in I this th- movie yeah yeah i think the action sequences are pretty good they're just not filmed interesting yeah that, well, that's fair but they're quite the action sequence this is my one real one of my major i have like two pros in this movie like two positive sure. points that i could ring out of this the first one is that the action sequences i thought were genuinely good they they definitely got like the netflix action team involved and mm-hmm. um they're pretty on it and had some cool cool action scenes and set pieces it's like and they're actually like this action scenes felt pretty well directed of compared to the fucking rest of the movie, which was extremely underwhelming. The mm. action scenes actually like I was like, ooh, and like I was paying attention and like cool stuff was happening that was like actually interesting. It like almost reminded me of watching stuff like The Raid and how like the fights played out and stuff like that. They were really unpredictable let's, and like frantic. Let's not go but, that far though. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's no The Raid. The Raid was better because it was like, not only like ten times longer, like the whole movie was an action sequence, but the story was really good as well. And the it was action all tied was in, like top um, tier. Where this is just like a really boring movie that occasionally cuts into some pretty cool action sequences. Yep. Yeah, this is like there's a certain point I realized talking about this movie where all of my like cons, like my negative points, just become like excessive nitpicks. And looking back at it, I realized it was like this whole movie, like every scene, something was off. Yes. Or multiple things were off that was like, like my brain was just like, my synapses were firing like, like I was slowly just a headache was activating in my brain as like a writer myself. But like, I'm usually not like a big nitpicky kind of guy, but there's just something about this movie that just ate away at me. The whole mm-hmm. movie just felt fake. Like everything felt so fake, like the characters, the dialogue, the setting, the, even the story itself felt like really tacky. It feels like they had this cool idea, and I hope, for the sake of the author who I like, that it's present in the comic book, 
but like it feels like they came up with this cool mythology behind these immortals and then the story is just like I'm a big bad scientist man and I'm just <laughs> gonna get you like like the villain in this movie sucks ass like Lex Luthor a, from Batman vs Superman <laughs> Uh, like in this movie, it's like a, this world of immortals and like with long lived pride. Just have this chump just be like, yeah, I want to study them for science, but I'm going to be a dick about it. I love money. It just feels so lazy. Like, oh, yeah. All these characters have like this backstory that's pretty interesting if like tacked on. Like, every single character has so much backstory that pretty much every bit of dialogue they have is them expositing about their extensive backstories. To be fair, though, they do have backstories that last hundreds of years, so... Yeah, and their backstories are interesting. Like, they're actually compelling little stories. But the main story just fucking sucks, and it's like, it wastes it. It's such a waste of all these... This lore that's kind of interesting with these character backstories to be wasted on, like, the most generic storyline... Yeah, so, like like you said, the premise is cool. When I heard the premise, I was like, ooh, people that have been warriors that have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years, that's super cool. Mm. And then you set the whole story in modern day. Oh. Yep. Okay. See, <laughs> what? I have, when you were talking about... How you are baffled by this movie getting good in reviews, which it did. I actually I have. It's like ninety percent. Rotten Tomatoes, eighty-one percent certified fresh. Oh yeah. What the fuck? Um, and I agree. It baffles me too. It's just confusing to me. It's we exist in a world where people have forgotten that Highlander existed, and it really shows. (laughs) Because Highlander, for those of you who don't know, was like the the. I, I guess it's like the immortal warrior movie kind of thing it was probably it was at least the first movie that i'm aware of that covered this kind of storyline and was about these characters who discovered they were immortal and then essentially were driven over centuries to like face each other into a like push to be the last one standing and it was this really hot it's kind of sloppy it was a movie it was a bit sloppy but it had this real heart to it it had a really cool Queen soundtrack and this really cool 80s energy. It's just a really fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. And, but it had like a really... It took its immortality stuff really seriously and you really got to spend a lot of time experiencing the characters' backstories. Instead of them just expositing at you, you got to like see the whole journey of the main character. And this, And so by the time it is set in then what was then modern day, it felt more like the setting didn't matter anymore and it was like a culmination of all of their experience just it didn't matter what the world around them was like anymore because it had changed so many times before like this battle is like destined to happen anywhere we're in this is just like we're the modern day the middle east army blah 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 i don't know yeah like i don't have any brain cells left for this movie (laughs) um it is interesting because, like, like I said, I think the more interesting stuff is their backstory and seeing them interact with the different ages and mm. how they respond to like shifting times. But having them just have those bits, those like quick flashes and highlights, 
just defeats the point of the idea. And this movie, you have these ancient characters, and but it's said modern day. Fine. Okay, that's a yeah. cool idea. But then you have the style represent that these are ancient characters. You don't have this flat modern movie with... Um, because the, the music in this movie fucking sucks. Oh my god, yeah, it just kicks into pop tracks like every for every action scene. Like a you pop have track these ancient characters have some and in modern day. The obvious answer is to have like war drum sort of music mixed in with modern music. Yeah, have something was, inspired by that really idea. <laughs> they could have done something really creative with each of the characters' backstories in like how they carried themselves, how they fought. The music that played, stuff like that. Yeah, but they're just guys, you know. <laughs> just Charlie's thrown at a bunch of guys. Yeah, look, but I when the movie starts and it's that first action scene, I was actually I was like, oh, okay, this could be pretty fun. Especially when I saw them getting into the helicopter and they've got like swords and axes, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, and they they like barely use them. That's true. Like. I was one of the things I said to my friends when I was watching it in, in our Netflix party was this movie needs more axes. It does. <laughs> it really does. And there's not a lot of movies you could say this movie needs more axes. Yes. I mean, there's there's some movies like The Shining where you could say this movie needs less axes. Mm. But and but yeah, like what regard like what I was saying before, what we were just talking about, like. All these characters, all this rich lore that's just kind of wasted. It's because, like, unlike Highlander, like, none of none of these backstories have anything to do with the story. No. Like, nothing ties in. Ex- it's just Except that these- one motivation that Charlie's Theron has about not being captured. Yeah, that that's the one thing is that none of them want to be captured because... It's a fate worse than death. It's a, for them, they getting captured is worse than death because it's just like eternity imprisoned, essentially. Mm. It's just, it feels young adult as hell. And oh my God, I'm glad you said that. It's extremely off-putting because such a violent movie with all these, the illusion of adult themes, but everyone talks like so unnaturally and mm-hmm. characters are just kind of sitting around waiting for stuff to happen. It all feels so unbelievable. And it's, it just, the, it, the fake, I keep going on about this fakeness of it all, but it just, I cannot sympathize with any of these characters, even despite their genuinely tragic backstories and their extensive relationships. It's just, the, and the, the fact that this story fucking sucks and it's just boring. It's just like, uh, what am I talking about? Um, I, I'm glad you said the YA um, yeah. thing because I completely agree. It's one of my notes is that this feels very young adult where you have essentially the protagonist isn't Charlie's Theron. It's this new character that sees this world yes. um, and gets into like this world and gets introduced to it. Um, and it, it's this young modern person, the one that you're supposed to relate to gets. And it's like, it feels one of those like late 2000s yeah, YA adaptions. And it's just like, I don't want a story about them. I want a story about the cool people yeah. that have been fighting for hundreds of years. They're way more interesting. Not this blank insert character. Yep. I want a story about these immortals and the the struggles of living an endless life over like countless yeah. ages and moving 
generations and values change, like all this kind of stuff, like wars. It's oh, man. Um, the whole thing. There's also this strange effect, I think, which that since they're all these immortal and hyper competent characters, like every character in every scene has no fear, like as in all the immortal characters, in every scene they're just completely unafraid of anything around them. They have no fears whatsoever mm-hmm. because they're so good at fighting after generations on the battlefields and dealing with people and stuff like that. It they just kind of walk through the movie not taking anything seriously. Like, they're just like, oh, I'm being kidnapped. Oh, whatever. You know, it kind of sucks, but, you know, we'll figure a way. Like, they just, every action scene they're in, they're like, oh, fuck, we're about to die. And they all get blasted. Like, nobody cares about anything happening around them, really, for the for the large part. Mm. And it just has this really strange cinematic effect for me. And it just felt really alienating. Yes. I can see how it w- would work better, maybe, in a comic format. But mm. with, like live action, real actors, it's just really strange. And it just seems strange. It feels like there's something was missed in this adaptation process that that doesn't work for me. There's a few like logic holes with this setup as well. Like firstly, how are these characters not like insanely rich? Yeah. I don't <laughs> understand that because like you live that it, long. You would inc- you would like get such wealth. Why It'd would be incredible as an immortal? Why would you want to run around as a warrior? Why would you not just want to hide and like exist in comfort? You know, May- I don't know. But, yeah, um, maybe they go into that more in the comics or in like extended lore or whatever. But in the movie, it's just like it seems like they just never thought to not be warriors, and that seems really dumb. It is interesting because like it would make sense if they were heroic characters. And they had like a sense of justice and they were trying to do good. That would make sense. Yeah. But they don't. They don't. They're just mercenaries. There's um, even like, um, there was like that line at the start of the movie where they're like, are you good guys or bad guys? And they're like, depends who's peeing. And it's like, but then it later goes on to just continuously talk about how they're all good guys and they fight for what's right. So it's like, what was the point of that line? <laughs> like this movie, like this movie was pitched to me as this Gonzo superhero action movie, yeah. but it's it's definitely not a superhero movie. It's just like this weird action movie with people with superpowers. Yeah, like just having superpowers doesn't make it a superhero story, you know. Even mm. if like at certain points they're kind of like we're fighting for the greater good now. It's like people do that in normal movies too, you know. Like this yeah. is not a superhero movie. This is just a weird yeah. action movie. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> there's also that moment near the start, because like where they get the footage of them reviving, and they're yeah. like, "Oh shit, we're finally being captured!" Like seen <laughs> after thousands of years. It's like how, but also so like they they get the footage of them reviving, and it's like <laughs> proof, and it shows it to someone, and they everyone immediately believes this is a real footage. Yeah, I really like because the opening set piece that exposes them as being um, immortal is because they get betrayed by one of their, um, their like, handlers. And, um, and there's just the footage of him watching, like, the clip of him watching the footage of them all getting shot and then getting back up again. He's just sitting in the chair like, oh, no. Like, just wide-eyed. Like, just imagine just... That would be such a good comic moment. Like, but, like... Yeah. With the recording of that, and he shows it to other people, and they just immediately take it on face value. 
It's like, oh my god. If someone showed me that, I'd be like, that's a cool effect. I'd be like, I don't believe this is real. Because, you know, people can fake that footage. I mean, we just saw a movie that did that. We, you know, it's filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why people take, like, someone like that character would take that completely at face value. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. <laughs> oh my god. It's... Oh. It's just that that's what I was saying before. Just none of the characters feel real. All of their reactions feel like ingenuine and strange. Yep. This whole alienating effect that this movie has. And I can see how that effect could have, you know, in good filmmaking been used to like make these immortals feel strange and like different from us because they've been around for so long that the way they act may seem strange because they're fucking immortals. Like they've been living for thousands of years. But it just comes off as fucking mundane. The mm-hmm. first half of this movie's boring as hell. It's just mm-hmm. people driving around and like mid close-ups of characters sitting around for stuff to, for like the plot to just happen around them, which it does. Things just come to them. Mm. The characters like Charlie Theron and Co. essentially are running around with these warriors. They have been for centuries, millennia perhaps. And then when this new character gets introduced, it also introduces the idea that these immortals will eventually die at some point. It introduces like this primary MacGuffin being that at some point they will just stop, like their healing ability will just no longer work. And that will be the end for them, essentially. That will be like their time to die. Because if they die, then they're not going to heal and they won't come back. And the whole movie then proceeds to become about like oh this young new one learning to wrap her head around immortality verse oh not verse like working side by side with charlie's throne who's like the the oldest and most battle-hardened who is on her last legs because she stopped healing and it's like this kind of dynamic between like an immortal at in like the first days of her existence and an immortal on like her last few or on her last legs and my main question with that is like, why the fuck are they warriors if they know they can die eventually? Like if at some random <laughs> point they're going to just die, why would you be a warrior? I mean, maybe they want to die, but they, they've, they express in the movie that they don't know what, if anything triggers it or what, they don't know if they have any like supernatural or cosmic significance in the world. They just are. And at some point they just will no longer be. So like it could have nothing to do with how many times they die. It could have some could just be an age thing. It could just be completely random. Mm. So like why even bother being battle like battlers or mercenaries? It's like you're just putting yourself at risk at worst case. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's just not really well thought out. Yeah. There, there's I, some I'll, there's some I good agree. ideas with like you know, because because they do really do fear that time the the time where they stop recovering. Yeah, because, they they seem to be genuinely afraid of that, while because, at the same time, kind of like ready for it with some of the characters. It's very confused. It it makes sense in one way, which the movie does not really explore well. Is that you know, if someone else in your group actually finally dies, you're losing one of the only people you can relate to. Yes. Because this would, like, one of the cool elements in this is how isolating this whole thing is. Because it would be, like, there would be, the only people you can relate to would be the people going 
through the same thing. You couldn't relate to normal humans anymore. Yes. Absolutely another, not. This is another point that is expressed much more effectively in Highlander. Because <laughs> we actually get to experience our character growing up. Uh, living in a world where his loved ones grow old and die around him, where in this they just tell people, tell the new girl that that's what's going to happen, but we don't like really see it outside of like a flashback, a brief flashback with one one of the supporting characters. Mm. <sighs> yeah, I, I just think there's <laughs> a lot of missed opportunities here. There, there really is. Also, did um, you see that bloody plane graphic? Which one? Where they're like in a plane near the start of the movie. And like the 3D model looks like really bad. I did not notice. But I was I may have been looking at my phone. <laughs> um, We're professionals. I reckon, I reckon, yeah. I reckon let's quickly wrap up the rest of the movie and then talk a bit more about kind of spoiler town stuff. Okay. I don't have a... Uh, oh, you don't? No. <laughs> I didn't prepare that. Oh, well... Pretty much, they get kid- two of them get kidnapped by this chem- pharmaceutical giant, who then like tortures them to try and figure out the key to immortality, and the rest of the gang all team up to try and rescue them, and they have this big invasion the whole time, just kind of like stopping and starting, like trying to get past all these soldiers and like armed forces, and discussing immortality and such, as we were talking about before, like the new young immortal, like trying to learn learn. The history of Charlie's Thrones, ancient immortal, shit like that. And then they take on the big bear. They have this big raid on the final uh, final building, all protecting Charlie's Throne, who now will no longer heal. So they have to like kind of protect her as they go, which was a pretty cool action sequence, how they're trying to... Um, but yeah, and then they find the bad guy and they kill him. And that's, uh, that's it. Quite violently, too. Quite violently, yes. Um, so that's, that's really, considering this movie's two hours long, not a lot happens. Simultaneously, like, a lot happens in it, but there's not really much story at all. So, I would, I wouldn't say I was ever bored by this one, or disengaged. I think in the first half, first half, I was very disengaged. Okay. Um, I was, like, middling, like, but I was never, like, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, I was never fully engaged, though. Um, except for some of the fight scenes, especially yes. when there's like like you near know, moments where one person throws a guard to another that shoots in midair and stuff. And it's yeah. like ah, oh. there's some really cool choreog- choreography moments. And as I, I touched on in the synopsis, um, I like the set piece at the end, like the final raid where they're all they move like a SWAT team, like back to back and like covering each other's flanks, like like yeah. like they they move like warriors who have fought in like a thousand battles. Um, but they're all protecting Charlie's throne with themselves as meat shields. Mm. I liked that set piece. I thought that was very neat. Yeah, I, I mean, a very the, cool bit. I think the choreography in this movie is the standout. Like that's the highlight, and it's not filmed particularly well. No. I think that's a big shame. Yeah, yeah. The whole movie's really filmed unremarkably. The whole time I was watching it, I was just like bored it was most of it was shot in like mid close-ups which is mm-hmm. essentially like pretty lazy that's like when it feels cheap it feels like low budget like you don't have much money for like sets or location so you just shoot it all in close up so you can't like see it mm. and almost 
almost every scene is shot like that. Like there's very rarely like much with establishing shots. None of them are creative. None of the shots in this movie at all are creative. And it's just just boring to look at, really. I, we said I, that earlier. I don't... This is probably one of the... Like, it's easy to pass off. It's like, oh, it's just a streaming movie. But think about some of the other streaming movies we've covered here. Like, There's some really good ones. The Irishman. The Irishman. The King. Oh, yeah, The King. I forgot about that movie. Um, You know, like... So th- this must be a lower budget one because it looks it looks like yeah. a TV show, but like even cheap for a Netflix TV show. You're right. It feels like a TV movie. I'm wondering if it started its life as a pilot for a TV show. I don't know. It feels like it has this air to me. Like it feels like it might have. They wanted to make a TV series out of it. Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. Let's make it a movie. But like it had a seventy million dollar budget, which is not huge, but it's pretty big. That's, I'm surprised by that number. I thought it would the be way lower that, than that. The fact that Charlie's Throne and she would take you for in it is probably where most of the budget went because those are like AAA actors. She, we haven't talked about Charlie's Throne yet. Yeah. She's I have, all, I have like kind of awesome, in, you know, as a presence in this movie. She looks the part. I really like. She just looks like an awesome warrior, and I think. It's a, such a shame she hasn't actually shown up in a mainstream superhero movie. Yeah. I think, why the hell not? Hasn't she be given something? Because she'd be the a great superhero person like, to get. I think um, she's, she's a great actress, but I don't this, know. She she bored me in this. Like her she, delivery wasn't good in this. No, she. I, I the first thing I said the moment after her first scene, I turned to my girlfriend who was watching it with, and I said. This character could have been swapped out for like eighties action movie era Sylvester Stallone, and it would be the same character. So grumpy and so mean. Just this grumpy, cool guy who does like quips and is like, "I don't want to fight, but I gotta." Like, why? Why does she boring. bully the new girl instantly? I feel like that's just bizarre. I I get what she was going for, and again, it was done better in Highlander. <laughs> with the Sean Connery character like the the tough character who's teaching them like the hard way that their life is going to have to change and that they they can't die like shit like that and she was just it, it, yeah it felt like she was not meant to be the protagonist like she was meant to be the mentor character like Sean Connery in Highlander but she was the biggest and best actor in the movie so like she was the main it it's really just kind of confusing this movie couldn't decide if it was an ensemble cast or if charlie's throne was the protagonist or the new person was the protagonist or the new person was the protagonist which it felt like stylistically is what it was leaning towards but then the way it was edited and directed not it's just it uh, i guess it's just not a very well directed movie yeah I yeah. I think I think that's like the main issue. Like in all fronts, the direction is weak. Like mm. style, characters, narrative—it's all nothing gels together well, and it's just a mess. Who do you think this is for? I don't know, but it definitely feels like something a sixteen-year-old would think was cool. Yeah, because like it's got that YA feel, right? But it's Ultra-violent. quite. 
it's not quite ultra violent. If you look at something like, you know, Birds of Prey, mm. it's not nearly as violent as that. Yeah, but yeah. It it does have that violence it to it. It is very violent. That's and it's like Oh, who is who is this for? Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those movies. It's just like I don't know what the demographic for this was supposed to be. Yeah. Because it's too dumb for grown-ups. <laughs> and it's too, like, violent and weirdly, like, adult for, like, a younger generation. Yeah. I don't know. It's like it that feels- weird middle ground. It's in that weird middle ground where it's... If this was released in cinemas, I reckon it would have bombed. I reckon if it wasn't released in a pandemic, I don't know if people would be really talking about it. That's That's true. I wonder... I'd be interested to know what like the production of this movie was like and what people were what the expectations were. So, I don't know. I remember it was trending when it first came out. I saw it as number one for like a couple of days on the Netflix uh, app. But when I checked after I watched it, it had dropped down to like number eight. <laughs> and I'm expecting it to disappear off that very quickly. But somehow it's got an eighty one on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, a lot of people watched it. It 72 million views in its first month and uh, was is one of the top 10 successful original film launches on Netflix in their history. Like, what? It's just confusing to me. The, uh, here's the Rotten Tomatoes consensus. Okay. The Rotten Tomatoes consensus. The old guard is occasionally restricted by genre conventions, but director Gina Price Bythewood brings a sophisticated vision to the superhero genre and some knockout action sequences led by Charlie's Throne. I would never consider using the word sophisticated Absolutely in regards not. to this movie. This, this movie's Rotten Tomatoes consensus refers to it as a sophisticated vision. That's absurd. What, That's like the opposite what of what world, I think this is. What world are these reviewers from? <laughs> like, what? Really? Come on. This movie's like a 5 out of 10 at best. Yeah. This doesn't even come close to like oh like one of the lower tier like Marvel movies. Oh yeah, no, this is way worse. I probably enjoyed like Thor 2 better than this. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I remember nothing about Thor 2, but I remember coming out of it like, "Yeah, it was all right." This I came out of like, "No, nah, didn't like that." Hmm. Also, uh, let's talk about Chiwetel Ejiofor's character. Mm-hmm. So the relevance of this character in the narrative kind of confuses me. Okay. Like, who is this guy? Who the hell is this guy? And, like, they set him up at the start like he's a handler of theirs and he betrays them for not really a good reason, not really much reason at all. Like, he does, it's something to do with his, like, his wife died and he doesn't want anyone to ever die again, kind of. It feels like like it's well-written and acted. Uh, not not well-written, asterisk. Well-acted, the scene where he, like, kind of explains himself. But the motivation just is dumb. And it it feels like it was written by a child kind of thing. Like somebody, like a, a teenager trying to come up with, like, an adult motivation. So, just, I don't want anybody to die again because my wife died and it was sad. It's like, surely you can understand why... Everybody can't live forever, right? Like, that would destroy the world. It, this is a bit cynical of me. It's just... But, um... It's just interesting. 
because like I it just hit me. This movie kind of feels like a really a uh, not good anime. Like just in concept and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it it really does. Just where like That's... the premise is more important than the thinking about actually yep. how it works. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's really true. That's another good point. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, man. There's, yeah. Um, there's even, my girlfriend noticed this and told me it after the movie, but like there's that scene where they're being experimented on in the science lab and the lady like injects a huge needle into one of them and says something along the lines of like, it hurts because you can feel it healing around the needle. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a, that would be painful. That's an interesting concept. But my girlfriend noticed a bunch of the characters have like piercings. Mm. Wouldn't their body be trying to heal around those piercings this whole time and be like a cause of like constant pain? Sure. Also, on that note, does their immortality awaken exclusively on death? I'm assuming yes. Yeah. Because like, imagine just as a baby. Like, all of your cuts heal instantly. Shit like that. Like, you'd notice early. So, surely it has to be, yeah, it has to be like upon death. Trigger. Which is, again, stolen from Highlander. I... There's so many questions I have that the movie doesn't bother to answer. Like, firstly, can these people have children? Yeah, I was actually thinking that as well. It's I'm not assuming even, not. It's not even Oh, wait, no. Questioned. They can. No, no, no. The, what's his name has kids. One of the, one of the party has kids. Had kids, but they died. Um, I don't remember this. He he has this this he has a brief flashback where he talks about um, how he's he had a bunch of kids. He had three sons, and they all died. And the last one died of cancer, and was mad at him because he wasn't aging. Wasn't that his brother? And I thought that was his son. I think that was supposed to be his son. I don't know. <sighs> okay, that was how they conveyed the um, you're gonna outlive your family kind of element. I, I genuinely thought that was his brother. I thought that's what he said. Oh, I could be wrong. But nah. also, if they if they get like their head cut off, what happens? Does Yeah. I do, do if they get cut in half, what happens? Like <laughs> do they regrow like Wolverine style? Does but if their head gets cut off, does the head regrow in the body or does the body regrow in the head? These are good questions. These are always going to be questions for stuff like this. Like the Wolverine gets around it because he's got the metal skeleton that he can't be severed. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of implied that if there was, that'd be the end of him. But he's got this metal skeleton. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of questions. There's also just a lot of bad, bad character motivations all around. No character in this... Ex- Actually, yeah, no character in this really has any good motivations except for the bit where they want to rescue the two who were kidnapped by the pharmaceutical organization. Yep. Where they're like, we don't want them to be tortured forever. The villain just wants to experiment on them for money. The uh, Shiwata Ejiofor just wanted to not have people die anymore in the world. Uh the other guys just kind of like what's his name? One of their party members partway through the movie betrays them. Um, for the same reason, he just he wants to figure out for a similar reason. He just wants to die. He wants them to figure out how they can kill him. Or something like the that one who betrays them. They're like, "Why'd you betray us?" And he's just kind of like, "I don't know." And they're like, "Okay, you can join us again." He's like, "All right, okay." 
And now you're banished it's for like, 100 years. That, oh, yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to go away now. And what a just half-baked movie. Mm-hmm. I just struggle to commit thought, any more thought to this. I, it's just, it's just meh, the whole movie. There's, all right. Uh, I want to talk about two things that I really liked. One of them's good and one of them is bad. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be a good place to end this one on. Yeah. So one of the good, one of my, my second main pro is that there's actually a good presence of, of queer characters in the, in the, narr- in the, in the movie. They were probably my um, favorite characters. Yeah, two of the immortals are like longtime lovers, and apparently uh, Greg Rucker had it stipulated in his contract that these two characters had to remain gay, like and not be like turned straight in the adaptation. Um, he really wanted those characters to remain, and they were on opposite sides were. of the Crusades, which I thought was yeah, a really cool idea for immortals. Yeah. I want to see that movie. Yeah. And I can imagine in a comic book, like maybe that was a whole flashback like issue or something for each character. So they all got actually like a decent story told about them rather than just through exposition dumps. Sure. But these characters were just nice. It was nice to see. And the fact that they were so out about it as well. It wasn't like that weird kind of queer baiting you see where there'll be characters who are like, Maybe they're gay is vaguely alluded, just a little nod to the, the LGBTQ audience, but it's actually extremely offensive to do that. Um, Though there, nice. there is that one scene where you always have to have one of the scenes where there's a bigot and it's like an unrealistic bigot. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, <laughs> oh, that's... It was very cringe, like just the dialogue it, for that scene. Yeah, it was pretty cringe, but the the little speech he had was nice. And yes. I think apparently in the, like, there's the scene where the two guys are first kidnapped and the thugs are like, huh, huh, we got you guys tied up, we're beating you up, and they keep punching them. And and one of the guys, um, one of the immortals has this, like, huge confession of love for the other one in the back of the van. There's this big, dramatic, romantic speech that just stumps the guards. And it's kind of nice. And then they kill it's just, them it, all. It's just, oh, then they beat them all up. It's just, it's just cool to see characters like that in like a superhero story, let alone an action movie. Sure. It's just, I just wish it was a little less clumsily done. Yeah. I wish they were the main characters. They were nice. I like those boys. Hmm. I just they were they were they were cool, um, but the other one and this one really so my other point and this really fucking kills me. So at the final set piece, they they need to rescue they need to bust into this room full of armed guards, and they all turn to each other and they're like, "Let's do this back like Sao Paulo thirty four and new, the new girl goes, "What happened in nineteen thirty four and Charlie's throne goes, "No no no, eighteen thirty four and at this point, I turned to my girlfriend again and I said. I really hope they just bust in there and like shoot the hell out of everyone. And they literally do (laughs) like, it's like, let's do this. Like 1834, 1834 style. And they just fucking bust in guns blazing. Like one dude like swings through a window out of nowhere, like firing. They suplex a guy. Like they fucking throw a guy out a window, like shit like that. And it's like, that happened in Sao Paulo in 1834. (laughs) Oh my God. I fucking love it. It's like actually comedy. And it brings me on to 
one of my uh, my closing kind of consensus, which is um, this movie feels like it's one step away or a couple steps away from being a so bad it's funny movie. Oof. Like a few a few more missteps and it just could have been one of those. But I guess luckily they had enough skill at hand to instead just produce something extremely bland and mediocre. Mm. I wouldn't go that That's far, kind of, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Like I, I'm struggling even now to like remember much about this movie. Yeah. And I know I'm going to have forgotten this movie like in a year or so. Absolutely. It's just extremely underwhelming. Yeah. <sighs> and I, it's and it's got a sequel bait and probably will get a sequel. I hope the sequel's better. Uh, good. A sequel? Yeah, actually, that's true. When I came out of it, my girlfriend as well said, you know what? I, I didn't like it, but I'd probably watch the second one if it came out. Just because I think all that cool immortal lore and backstory and stuff's really interesting. Mm. It's always, it's just such an interesting narrative concept that I like that kind of stuff. You don't see it much in movies and I want to see it done well. Yeah. But yeah, I probably won't That's be. pretty much all I, that's all I have to say. Oh yeah. If it's done by these same people, oh no, it won't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really all I have to say about the old guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have any more thoughts about the old guard, Harrison? Not other than the like the the young uh, new girl. She um, has the weirdest motivation change at the end of the movie, where she's like, "No, I won't be a killer. I hate this," and then immediately goes, "Oh no, they're in danger. I'm going to murder fifty people." Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> and her whole motivation, like, so much of her character is driven by like, I have like a mother and brother who are like struggling at home. And I don't want them to, like, think I'm dead. And then the end, she's like, oh, no, don't worry. I just texted them. I'm dead or some shit. And you just see, like, a photo of them on her phone and that's it. Like, that's it. <laughs> Weird. Weird. <sighs> Meh. Is what I say. Mm-hmm. So I would not right. recommend Old Guard, really. <laughs> I would not recommend the Old Guard. But, um, you could do worse, but you certainly could do better. You could do much better. And you could do much worse. But not much worse, but you could do much better. <laughs> Did that make sense? Maybe. Uh, well, yeah. All right. Relic. It's time to talk about Relic. Relic. Released on Stan. Australian horror movie, which is always nice to see. Specifically one set in Victoria. Wow. Which where where we're set. Watch out a movie podcast. <laughs> That's where the lore of our podcast is set. <laughs> and our lore is based in Victoria, Australia. Um, so this is um, just before we even get into the the story. Mm-hmm. A lot of there's a little, like a lot of weird clout behind even the development of it. Like it was produced by both the production companies of the Russo brothers and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, when the credits came up, I was like, "Why yeah, is like, what? what is Jake Gyllenhaal doing in the credits?" And, and what the did Russo the directors brothers. of fucking the Avengers have to do with this? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this like low key, te- like teensy budget Australian horror film. Crazy. Mysterio himself <laughs> funded this movie. <sighs> but I know a fun thing that I I like to try and do every now and then when we talk about movies is I like to try and like six degrees of separation connect ourselves to like the movie. Okay. It's 
Um, I have a few. I have a few for this one actually. Um, one is that uh, the star, one of the stars, Bella Heathcote, is actually friends with one of our former colleagues from like having grown up in Melbourne oh. together. But yeah, and another, um, like pre-COVID and stuff. Um, there was actually a stage where Screen Australia was looking to set up. Um, the director as a mentor to my housemate who was like an up-and-coming little filmmaker mm. in that scene. But that was before COVID happened, so it's all been like put in hold and stuff. But that's probably the closest connection I can say we've had to a movie yet, or at least I have. Well, I've got a lot of connections to this movie. Well, oh, six oh, really? degrees. Like my, um, my, one of my best friends, he works in... He's a gaffer and he works with us a lot of films and like short films and stuff. Um, he knows all the camera crew. He knows nice. the makeup people and a few more in the cast. So like, Damn. I was like, Oh, because I didn't know this film was f- from Victoria. I just saw it in Stan. I was like, Oh, I'll watch it. And then like the, the, the first like 10 seconds, there's a huge screen Victoria logo that takes up like 80% of the screen oh, real yeah. estate. And I was like, Oh, so I had to find out if I knew anyone who knew people that made it. And sure enough, I know someone who knows like half the cast. That's cool. Very cool. I guess that's going to happen as like aging video professionals in Melbourne. We're going to start to like know more and more people involved in this kind of stuff. Mm. But yeah, Um, like, like the old guard. This this had that interesting effect where not only for me but also for my housemate, um, and it, but not because of like anything to do with the actual real movie, but like, like how um, with the old guard, I I was concerned when I first heard about it because it sounded similar to an idea I had. <laughs> this was somehow similar to screenplays that both me and my housemate are separately working on. <laughs> and it was just a fucking like come on man <laughs> like what both of these movies this time i mean it makes me feel good as like an aspiring writer thinking like okay maybe my ideas are like i'm seeing ideas like the ones i come up with getting made into like real movies is always kind of like a good little little way to <laughs> interpret this but the fact that it's like this somehow looks like both the two screenplays both my housemate and I separately working on at the same time is just like come on man <laughs> um I would like to take a moment here to talk about the modern Australian horror scene but unfortunately I cannot really because that doesn't really exist um the only recent entry I can really think of is undeniably the Babadook mm-hmm. which I don't, I don't know if you've seen no I haven't but this movie would definitely have never been greenlit if it weren't because of the Babadook, which was hugely successful. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of similarities in these movies. But I'll talk about that a bit more later. Should we get into a synopsis? Um, let's get into it. So I wrote the synopsis for this one. I'll try and power through it a bit because it's a bit longer. Not huge. Anyways, so the story begins with Kay and her daughter Sam traveling to the rural family home of her mother, Sam's grandmother, Edna, where they find her missing and the home in a state of disrepair, with boxes piled up like a hoarder, strange new locks placed on the outside of bedroom doors, 
as well as incoherent notes with messages ranging from simple reminders like take pills to like ominous phrases like do not follow it. And there is also a like black mold growing across heaps, a bunch of the walls. A couple nights pass before Edna miraculously just reappears, standing just in the middle of their kitchen, like confused. And it becomes apparent very quickly that she is suffering from dementia. But not only that, there's a black bruise on her chest that continues to grow and grow that looks remarkably similar to the mold in the walls. And that's the essential starting point. But we also do learn that Edna's father and Kay's grandfather suffered a similar transformation in his old age, turning aggressive and violent towards his family, forcing them all to flee the home where Edna's current home is built atop. And their grandfather went on to die alone, having grown aggressive and disoriented and his body was found covered in the same black mold. So that's this pretty much the basis mm-hmm. for Relic. And I think very clear that this whole movie is just an is an allegory of dementia. And old age. Like off general. the bat. And particularly dementia, yes. like that sense of losing yourself. It's like absolutely apparent like the whole movie is undeniably an allegory for that so i just want to start by saying i actually have a lot of respect for this movie Mm -hmm. i think for starters it looks great the cinematography in this movie is outstanding and oh really set design is really great and a sound design Mm. is pretty great as well like i just think there's a lot of individual things that i really really like and i have a lot of respect for it i just think unfortunately there's just not enough meat on those bones when it comes to the script see i i had very similar thoughts i i thought the cinematography was good i didn't think it was like spectacular but i thought it was good the set was really great i loved the house um and my initial reaction at first was similar. To, I came out of it thinking, like, there really isn't much plot. Like, really not a lot. Ha- I felt, I feel really, and I do still feel that really not a lot happens in this movie. No. Like, it's pretty much that setting drawn out to, like, two hours or whatever. It's 90 minutes and on we just, the dot. Uh, we're just, like, left to sit in that up until the climax, which we'll go into a bit later. And I originally came out just being like, I wish this more happened. Like, what, what's going on? And I kind of felt bored mm. in the first half. I was just like really like, it was really slow and quiet. It felt like the, felt like the minimal plot cre- just created a really slow narrative where just not much happened. And it just, it kind of felt like the, f- you know how there's like the first bit of a horror movie where the character's like investigating the curse or whatever. It just felt like that drawn out for like a full, at least like hour plus of the the movie. It just felt like it went a little bit too long. Yeah. And I, I thought on it a bit more and I realized maybe being like, maybe this movie kind of isn't for me in that way. I know, I reckon there's a lot of people that this movie would hit extremely close to home. Yeah. For this story of like grandma going senile or, Something like that is just 
terrifying. And fortunately, I've never experienced that. Like, doesn't dementia doesn't seem to run in my family. I've never had to deal with mm-hmm. having grandparents who forget people and like forget faces and forget grandchildren and like lose their minds slowly over years and years. I know friends who have, and it seems very affecting to them. And for those people, this movie would probably like be devastating. Mm-hmm. But for me, it just just kind of went straight through me. Like it just, I don't want to feel insensitive to that kind of narrative. Cause I do have, like, a, like you said before, I do have a lot of respect for ta- for this kind of storyline. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. really, I feel like the director herself must have experience yes. in this kind of drama because it, it comes off very genuinely and it's very thought out mm-hmm. how it portrays dementia as like, kind of the monster kind of allegory thing um but yeah so i'm kind of left left in a weird spot yeah i agree it like i said i have a lot of respect um for like all the little elements um especially like the idea i think the idea is super strong Um, yeah it's just a really good sharp idea like a simple idea and the fact that they've directed it to be so slow and like melancholic i i see the choice oh it, it, it makes that way. it absolutely makes sense um but the problem is i feel the allegory is too on the nose you, mm. you get it in the first five minutes you're like oh yeah you're like this was the kind of movie oh i get where it. the moment i found out what it was about i knew exactly how it was going to end and it did. Yeah. We'll talk about that a bit later. But yeah, that's a really good point. And I was going to go into that. Is like, this movie, I think, if it was done worse, if it was done like one of those shitty generic horror movies that you see come out all the time, like The Unforgiven or whatever, you know, the ones yeah. with those names like it's just generated by somebody looking up spooky words in a dictionary <laughs> and then just come out with a misc ghost story. This movie could have been very exploitative. Oh, absolutely. Like it could have been could have been really, I don't know, disrespectful to that whole idea of dementia and like aging kind of the fear of that. Mm. But it like I think this movie handles it well enough yeah. to not be in. Um it 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 struck a good balance, I think, in in handling its idea, but it just I don't know. The thing is, it's the kind of thing where it's like as a film viewer i wanted it to be more engaging and exciting mm-hmm. and the fact that it wasn't meant that it felt boring to me but on the other hand like i said before i can see why they made the choice to do that yeah it's like almost to create this like powerlessness or this lack of lack of drama could have been a choice I, I, to make us really feel this spot that the mother and daughter are in and i think that's probably the strongest bits of it is the real life drama um, cause God, that, that's tough. Like, and oh yeah, it's scary on itself. Dementia and old age is bloody scary. Um, the it's idea of terrifying. losing that part of your brain and like, God, it sends me chills. But like, I think the problem that we're having struggling to like communicate is that I, I, the, the closest thing I can compare this movie to, and it is an unfair comparison, but I think it's apt, is Hereditary. 
Oh yeah. I feel like it's got a similar idea, right? Where hereditary is, you know, allegory for um, family genetic diseases and passing those down and recessive diseases and stuff like that. Um, yes. And this is about dementia and like it's like the family horror um subgenre yes yeah um and i feel like Um, this is very inspired by that but the difference with hereditary is it's got a few more characters it's got a bit more of a mystery to it that you're trying to find out with this one you know what the mystery is as soon as you see it you're like oh I, i know where this is going and yeah there is a bit more of an external threat that's a metaphor where this movie doesn't really have that external threat. Yeah. Hereditary, I have a lot to say on Hereditary, so I'm going to try and keep this concise. Yeah, Because I yeah. personally, I know a lot of people fucking hated Hereditary, but I personally love it. I It's great. That's like, it's like a 10 out of 10 movie for me. I fucking love it. I think it's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Mm. Um, That movie did a really interesting job with the whole allegory of it all mm-hmm. in that, enacting the feeling of it in the nar- into the narrative. It wasn't just like, oh, this movie is, it is depression. Like, uh, I'm going to take this moment to cut back to the Babadook because the Babadook was the very much, it's very the same style of filmmaking as, the, as Relic in that the Babadook is a metaphor for like overcoming grief. Sure. And the, but it is so much more on the nose with it. It is like by the end of the movie, it's like, the monster literally is just grief Mm. and she's just like imagining it kind of thing. Like there's no, for me at least, it didn't feel like this monster was real at all. And it was all just like almost like this nightmare vision. The main character was having that was like, just, it felt, I don't know. It felt almost like a storybook, like a child storybook, which I guess is kind of like aesthetically what the Babadook monster design was going for. But I don't think the movie, I don't think it worked very well. Sure. Like, um, the Babadook, I felt, lent more into the too far into the metaphor um, to enhance like the mother-son plot that happened in that. But I feel like it fell a bit flat on its own, like horror lore, because of that. Like it didn't feel like the threat was real in the end. Mm. Where relic relic kind of does the opposite and like spends more time and it does set up its own like background history and lore and stuff, but it's in order to kind of like quietly establish this nar- this atmosphere and narrative. Um, but because of that, it kind of means that it doesn't have much plot where hereditary, I think really landed bang in the middle. I think yeah. hereditary is the perfect example of this style of filmmaking, because not only is the whole movie, this allegory, this metaphor for family violence or whatever it was going for, you felt it through the narrative. Like as you were watching it, it almost elicited these feelings within you that people dealing with these issues, these paranoias, this like psychological instability, it really put you in their shoes and you really felt it with them. You felt their like fear and distress and their like unpredictability and all that as the story went on to then be like come full circle in the end and, also be this huge mystery that unfolded and like it just felt like this hereditary to me really felt like a complete package where both the babadook and relic felt like like they're almost there like they're they're close but not quite yeah like they felt much more much less three-dimensional i guess i think what you're getting at is 
for the metaphor to be stronger, you need it to also work within the movie's logic of its own horror lore. Because if you lean too much into the metaphor, it becomes a surreal extrapolation of real life rather than an actual fully formed horror story. Yes, that yes, means 100%. and reflects real life rather than that is just replacing. <laughs> that is a very good way of wording what I was trying to say. That 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 is it. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's the disappointing thing with this because I think if it just nailed that, like, this is gonna sound dumb, um, and this is definitely not the exact right way to go at all. I'm not saying that, but like, if there was more of a a ghost or a demon without being lame. Obviously you need to get that balance that, that had the metaphor of dementia and old age in it more. That would be more interesting to me, especially if they do it in a, a tasteful way. That's not like lame, like not a, like a oogly boogly ghost. Yeah. But some sort of external threat that's like surreal and stumbling because when it's this like vague like it's it's just dementia right but there's also this mold and this weird like uh yeah space warping house uh, i reckon i reckon let's at this point let's go a little bit into the spoiler town sure. because i think i think we need to but i we'll, we'll continue exactly where you left off because mm-hmm. um and i I feel exactly. I was thinking the same thing when I when I first watched this movie, but um, so the story continues, and this is this is spoilers for those of you. Um, so uh, as the story progresses, uh, Edna, the grandmother, or like her her father, grows increasingly unpredictable, ranging from confused and displaced to mysterious, elusive to like outright aggressive and all while this bruise on her chest continues to grow bigger and like blacker in one somber scene Kay finds her mother Edna in the woods attempting to eat slash bury a photo book as if trying to protect them from being like taken by something and then uh, one night sometime later it skips through like the movie goes over the course of a week so it like jumps through days one night the granddaughter Sam speaks with a neighbor whose son once claimed to have been locked inside the upstairs walk-in wardrobe by Edna herself. He claimed that he screamed and clawed at the walls for hours before being let out. Sam then goes and investigates this upstairs wardrobe where she indeed does find claw marks on the walls and she proceeds to enter it where she finds it leads inexplicably into a lengthy hallway which continues to fork out into further directions defying all sense of space she turns back and finds that she the way she has entered has disappeared and she then becomes trapped in this endless shifting maze of hallways and rooms all covered in that same black mold and but meanwhile back outside Kay discovers edna cutting away at herself at her own flesh revealing the black mold having consumed like her chest and up her arms from within Kay then follows her, chases her through the house for a bit and follows her through that same wardrobe pathway and becomes trapped in the labyrinth herself. Eventually, she manages to locate Sam and the two flee from Edna, who has begun to, like, break apart, revealing this dark monster, like, beneath her flesh. The two manage to escape and they uh, knock 
Edna down who's pursuing them, but decide instead of fleeing and leaving Edna writhing in agony on the floor, they instead remain and take care of her. And in the final scene, Sam peels away the remaining flesh on Edna, her mother, revealing this sickly dark creature laying beneath it. And which then they just kind of lay with somberly. And the last thing we see is Sam, uh, uh, Kay looking over her mother, Sam. Oh, wait, I get this backwards. I may have got the names mixed up. The daughter looking over her mother and, and grandmother in bed and sees the same black mark appear on her back. And so that's the whole movie. You there, Harrison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... And that's what I said before about knowing exactly how this movie was going to end from the moment it started. Yeah. Being that she sees that the curse has passed on. Just, I mean, I knew it was, I knew it was going to end that way. It's the only way to do that. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so I personally just uh, before we get a bit more into it, this second half of the movie fucking just caught me by surprise. Yeah. I went from being pretty zoned, I was beginning to kind of zone out to like edge of my seat. Like what the fuck? The second half of this movie straight up is like right up my alley of just this bizarre nightmare <laughs> horror. It feels like something straight out of like a Jinji Ito uh, story. Just, oh, feels like, like it just feels like a scene from a nightmare. And again, it all, I guess, ties into the, having to feel this feeling of dementia, like the idea of like being stuck in this house and not like the, I guess the, the transmogrifying, the, the morphing house, whatever that, that whole dimension is kind of puts you in that shoes of being like disoriented and mm. confused and like not knowing where you are kind of yeah. thing that a lot of people suffering dementia experience. But I just loved the visuals of that whole sequence. Yeah. That was just incredible. That was that was really good and terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it doesn't quite like there's just not enough groundedness for that. Cause like the problem with like we were saying, the problem with the balancing act is that while it is it's clear that there's some sort of curse or something that's causing mm. this. But de- dementia is a real thing. You know what I mean? Yes. And yes. It's so is all dementia caused by a curse like this? Or is it just a curse that it causes dementia like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I was thinking I was thinking that same thing, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try and take this story as just a standalone kind of thing. Sure. It just happens to parallel dementia yeah but like i think it, it doesn't work when characters go oh i think she's having dementia like symptoms uh, when, when the 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 metaphor is like could also just be a literal thing that happens to normal people i don't know yeah. it doesn't quite work for me yeah like i does all dementia do this is this is this what dementia is in the world like exactly i i <laughs> I wanted to complain more about the lore here in this movie. Like, I really did. That's what I do. Mm. But the more I think on it, I guess, aside from that aspect, like, that kind of, like, is this, like, a a 
curse is like when I came out of this movie when I was watching it, I was just like, is this a curse? Is this a monster? Like, are they being yeah. haunted by this invading entity? Is it the house? I thought back more on like the allegory and the the tale of a woman turning into a monster, but framed as though it were a horror story, like using dementia as the portrayal of transforming into a monster. Mm. But in, then in the end, instead turning out, instead to be more of a tragedy than a horror film. Yes. And that this dark force consuming her isn't in fact an invading entity, but is more something inherited, like a curse. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not like this evil monster is possessing her body. It's like she is transforming into something else. Mm-hmm. Like it's still the same woman. And it take it's shocking at first, and again, it's like I think it puts us in that shoes of in the shoes of somebody whose whose relative like is beyond recognition, but then it is still them, I guess. Like it's still the same mm-hmm. person; they've just transformed, and they I think they captured that idea quite effectively towards the end. Absolutely. Also, and like the makeup effects. That it's, holy yeah, shit! Oh my incredible makeup effects. Some of the best I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, the scene I mentioned where they peel away the flesh. Like I was squinting and like cringing yeah. that whole scene. Like I was just like Ugh! like making noises and shit cuz it looks so good. Mm. It looks incredible and the, the the little the like what remains afterwards when they peel away all the flesh looks like incredible. It looks real like it's for oh, and there's one scene just, where, like, a bone gets popped down. It looks great. Yeah. looks... Ugh, ugh. There's something about, like, gore in some horror movies lately. Like, not everyone, but in a lot. Like, in, like, Hereditary and in, like, uh, Midsommar, the gore just is fucking piercing, you know? Yeah. But, again... And, like, it also kind of, like... No matter what they do to this thing, it seems to just keep getting back up at the same time. Like, they break it apart. But it always, like when they they like smack it and you see her like falling apart, kind of like you see her like, like like a leg popping out mm. and shit like that. But then in the end, that they defeat it through kindness instead of violence. It's like it's a pretty bittersweet note, but it's it's kind of nice. And like sure. I think more on that, and I don't mind it. I think I I think I think I like I think I like it how they yeah. don't kill it. Yeah, the fact absolutely. that they don't kill. I just thought of another. A, a really good example of a bad allegory movie. Mm. Um, same, similar kind of thing that they were going for is like uh, Babadook and Hereditary. But did you ever see Lights Out? No. You're the so horror Lights guy, Out, not me. Yeah. Lights Out came out a good couple of years ago now. And again, it got good in reviews, but it's fucking awful. Absolute <laughs> trash. It's based on a really good YouTube short film. I'll say that. And the same director got picked up to do light, the, the feature... And he's then gone on to do some genuinely good stuff. Like he made Shazam and is is off doing good things. And I gotta I gotta give him the kudos because he went from YouTube short filmmaker to big Hollywood triple A filmmaker. Yeah. So like good on him. And he seems like a really nice guy and he does some cool YouTube videos. But um Lights Out is so bad. And the whole thing is a similar thing. It's like an allegory for I guess it could even be considered dementia, because it's about this dark entity that binds itself to the mother of this family and like tries to tear her family apart and like, but 
like spoilers for Lights Out. <laughs> in the end, they solve it by killing her. <laughs> they realize like the monster's tied to the mum. And so they kill the mum and the monster goes away. And I'm like, what kind of message is that? <laughs> like, that's horrible. Like, the way to solve mental illness is to fucking die. No, actually, it's not, they don't kill her. The mum kills herself, which is even worse. She kills herself to save the day. Like, that's an awful message. Like, abhorrently bad. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's a misfire. <laughs> yeah, and that, an absolute misfire. Where Relic does the polar opposite and actually handles it right. I like yeah. to imagine that this director saw lights out and went, like I did. But, <laughs> wow. I'm surprised I don't see people talking about that more. It, it, yeah, like like you said, all those little things where like the metaphor works really white quite well really works. And like all these little elements in this movie I love. Like like we've said multiple times, cinematography makeup effects the acting is really good um, oh yeah the sets are really cool like everything really works a lot of the metaphor really works just as a package as a movie it's not the most entertaining thing and yeah. i like slow things but yeah. slow burn movies need a little more for you to chew on as an audience member because like it has big ideas and stuff you're like Oh, I get it. But with this one, you go, oh, it's immediately about dementia. And you don't have to think about yeah. that anymore because you've already worked it out. Yeah, I agree. There's like, even though I thoroughly enjoyed the whole ending portion of the movie, mm -hmm. like none, none of it was surprising to me. Outside of like some of the imagery and like little moments, most of the movie was just like waiting it was just like sitting around. It could have, it could have very much lent into that idea of waiting, of putting these characters in a situation where they knew things were only going to get worse, but they couldn't do anything about it, and just waiting to see this transformation happen. But it didn't really. It kind of played it like, like we we're talking about before. It kind of the first half of the movie. It feels like some evil force is trying to possess the grandma. And it's like, how are they gonna are they gonna figure out how to stop it in time? Are they gonna are they gonna do something about it? But the mum and daughter do nothing about it. And they just waiting around walking around, hanging having uncomfortable scenes with grandma before shit goes down. Wait, some of and it feels the individual scenes feels, are like good and like effective and they raise a lot of questions about dealing with someone in your family that has a similar situation. But just just doesn't add to the package for me like cohesively yeah. it just it's a the, shame. the first half the first half could have been a lot better directed there just wasn't enough wasn't enough plot really is my main criticism yeah. of this movie just not enough happens and it feels slow and it feels like it could have done more to impact to make that ending hit even harder mm. it could have it could have could have sharp, been a bit sharper. Just needed a few Could, more hooks. Yep, yeah, hooks. There really wasn't much of a hook in this movie up until the climax. There, it was like, if I got interrupted halfway through this movie before the ending, there's a good chance I wouldn't have been able to will myself to go back. Mm. And that's sad. Yeah. Because it is a good and well-meaning movie. Well, yeah. 
a good, well-meaning movie with some great ideas and some great talent behind it. Um, mm. oh, dang it, I was going to say something. Oh, and because it is an Australian film, I feel like a bit of pride to it because it's an Australian genre film. We don't do genre yes. films. We do miscellaneous dramas. Um, we do romantic dramas that are a bit funny, but then, oh, they get serious at the end. They're always about cancer. Everybody gets along. They're always about weddings. Weddings and cancer. That's all they're about. Um, <laughs> but yep. it's cool to see an Australian genre film, and I really want more. Yeah, I have to support it. Even like even The Babadook, which i not the biggest fan of. I, I do need to watch it again, I will say. Like, uh, when I first watched it, my dog was just barking at me the entire movie, and that could have perhaps taken me out of the experience a bit. And I've been meaning to go back and give it another whirl now that I'm a bit older. But I still have to give it that. Like, I still on the record, I still have to support it as an Australian horror film. Like, yeah. you know, we don't get many of those and I want more of those. And that's what I want to make. Hopefully one day, if I ever become a film guy, that is <laughs> my genre, you know. Like, that's what I would want to do. Yeah. And the fact that we have had two relatively successful horror films made in Australia in the last, like, decade is nice. I That's mean, really all we got. One of, one of our um, most famous exports has always been Wolf's Creek. Yeah, I actually haven't watched Wolf Creek, which is funny. No, neither have I. Should we cover that? I've heard it's good. I would like to watch Wolf Creek. Let's let's do an Australian spotlight. Ooh, that's a good idea. I like coming up with coming up with ideas live on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've said mm-hmm. on most of my pieces about it. Oh, there is one. So most of the time, I think this movie looks great i think yeah i've said this multiple times but there's yeah. the flashback scenes the mother has i'm not a fan of how it's edited um where <laughs> where it's like a like speed ramps and distortion effects mm-hmm. it kind of looks like a mid 2000s slipknot music mm. video oh my god the spooky woods and all yeah it just kind of for yeah. something that it has one of, a good one of the look things, and pace to see it do that in the flashbacks was just like it's it's yeah. it's not quite there. It's... One of the things I was gonna say is that even though it is generally well shot, mm-hmm. there are a couple moments that feel like I, I guess like stylistically, there's not the most aesthetic to this movie. Um in a visual oh, what am I talking about? It kind of feels like a, a little bit or it kind of looks a bit like a generic horror movie kind of thing, like colors, the lighting, that kind of stuff. It just feel it feels like one of those, just one of those horror movies that you'd see around. I, while I know you're more of a horror guy and you've got much more experience with it, I would disagree. I think it looks much richer than a Definitely lot of much richer. Like, <laughs> it feels like, um, almost like, this was once going to be a shitty horror movie, but then they got a good director attached to like polish the hell out of it. But like I said, there's a lot of talent in here. Mm-hmm. I just, the I think the only thing letting it down is the script just needs some more meat. If yeah. it had that, if all the other dominoes are lined up, it would have hit it out of the park. Oh man, it would have ruled. Like, I'm curious to see how much of an impact this movie has. I have heard it get 
a lot of really high praises from some critics that I like. Um, but besides that, I, I don't really hear people talking about it. Well, yeah. I mean, it is Australian, so it's got a limited audience. But the, oh. the Rotten Tomatoes for this, and I know we've already brought it up, and I don't generally like to bring it up, but it's interesting for Relic. Uh, I was just looking at it and I closed it. Hang on, it's loading. <laughs> Wait, I got so it. So critics give it a 91%. Very high. Yep, yep. But the audience score is forty-five. Mm, yep, I'm seeing that now. This happens a lot with horror movies, especially like good horror movies. For some reason, it seems like every good horror movie is hated by audiences, and every bad horror movie is loved by audiences. It's a weird, weird, weird genre that is horror. It feels like simultaneously there's extremely low standards. And also extremely high standards at the same time. And, like, I can't even vocalize what, like, how the, like, what the hell is this industry, really? You see movies like The Exorcist and stuff be considered, like, classics. But then you see people just absolutely ragging on, like, Hereditary and It Follows. Just confusing. Yeah, it is, it is confusing. It's very, I think horror is... It's got a lot of subjectivity to it. It's about a lot, oh, yeah. a lot of what you want out of it going in. Mm, yep. Horror movies are very different for different people. Like people watch this genre for different reasons all around. Yeah. And it really reflects in opinions, which is why you seem to get the strongest opinions when it comes to horror movies. The most divisive, yes, I agree. The most, Always the most divisive, absolutely. Because some people go in for a roller coaster ride. And not yep. all horror movies are all. This is definitely not a whole roller coaster ride. Oh no! Much like um, the old guard wasn't sophisticated. This is not a roller coaster. No, but I would call it sophisticated in a lot of ways. I, I would call this sophisticated. What was the What was the old guard's consensus again? I'm gonna look this up real quick because <laughs> I want to see if it applies more to Relic than it does the old guard. <laughs> what was it? It was the line. Sophisticated vision. Yeah, no, this has sophisticated vision compared to I, the old. I God. would call Relic a sophisticated vision. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, and this was also a um, directorial debut. Oh, I, I look. Yeah. This director releases another movie. Hell yeah! I'll I'll see. It. Yeah, I'm checking that out. Yeah. And for a directorial debut, this is quite good. Like, yeah. there's a lot of good choices in here. Absolutely. And definitely. What's what's her name? It's um, Natalie Erica James. She's on my radar now. I mean, there's not many of us in Australia here, but we probably live next door. Like that's just yeah. She probably lives in the same suburb as me, knowing knowing Melbourne. I just don't realize it. (laughs) (sighs) So what else do I have to say about Relic? Performances really good. We mentioned that. I think kind of to to close things up. Mm -hmm. Um. One one last thing about Relic is how weird is oh, it yeah? to hear Australian accents on film? It's so strange. Oh my it God. doesn't feel right. It immediately took me out because it was it, a yeah. genuine Australian accent and I yep. haven't heard that in a film for a very long time. Yep. Oh my God. It's it's almost it's almost alienating. Like the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, Australia. Does this happen for Americans or are they just used to it? don't know. 
Um, but yeah, very weird. It's always strange watching an Australian movie as an Australian. Mm. I feel like this is like, I always laugh at the idea of um, Australian movies needing subtitles for, for like American audiences <laughs> because that's actually a thing. Is what? It's, I remember, um, you know, Kenny, the um, Australian mockumentary about the, the toilet plumber. Mm. Um, they're really popular like a decade or two ago. Um, the DVD had subtitles automatically enabled, like or like like it's like a fucking anime. Like the subs were always on, like when you first hit play. Just because for international audiences who just cannot understand what the hell we're talking about, I find that very amusing. That's confusing. Okay. Yeah, it's like have you ever seen? Have you ever watched anything like super Scottish? Like train spotting. Yeah, I've seen train spotting. Show. Um, need subtitles for those. I, I tried to Look. watch both of those without subtitles, and I just could not understand what was being said. And I imagine it's like the same effect. And I think that's just funny. That's fair. Yeah. It's not really has it anything to do with this movie, but it's just a fun little note. Yeah. Always cool to see. Anyways, um. Now, I'd also compare this movie a little bit to something I recently watched, which was The Farewell, which was a pretty big movie from last year. Oh, yeah. I need to check that um, out. It's on my list. I consider The Farewell kind of... My consensus coming out of it was that it was like the ultimate sad grandma movie. Sure. Um, and I think... the I feel the realism of that it was more grounded in reality made it hit it hit me like it hit really close to home for me where relic didn't. And I think maybe the fact that the farewell was grounded in a much more believable reality made such a personal story so much more fucking devastating to me. Sure. Like this movie, I'm not a guy who really like cries much watching movies, but this movie fucked me up. I was weeping like a baby and I was on a plane watching this. <laughs> like the two guys next to me were like trying to watch like fucking Lego Batman or Transformers and some shit. And I was like fucking weeping, like trying to like, I still actually have a bit of an eye infection because I was trying to wipe my face with the in-flight blanket. Oh no. That's how much I was, I was trying not to fucking weep between these two strangers on this airplane. But that movie was really good. And I think, I think like we were saying before how it was a like a, tentative grounds to make a horror movie about something like dementia um i think maybe the fact that the farewell was set in reality made it land for me where relics didn't like the fantastical element of it kind of took it away but i still think there is an angle that could work yeah this movie was definitely going for an like the metaphor of dementia and that's i guess that's a very different directorial style um and it was very interesting to see. And I always like to see like common human fears adapted into storylines. Like that stuff's very interesting to me. In the end, I'm just like a little conflicted about this movie. Like I said at the start, I feel like you're either going to be in the pool of people who tragically can connect to this sort of grandma getting old dementia style storyline in which it might be just a bit too close to home and fuck you up a bit. Yeah. With some of its like nightmare imagery and the way the movie portrays itself and its themes allegorically. 
Or you'll be like us and you'll just kind of not not be in that pool and just kind of and just kind of comes up a bit quiet and dull and then like up until the climax. But at in the end I come off kind of like it was it was pretty good. I'll I'll, re- I'll repeat my statement before of I have a lot of respect mm. for this film. I just don't think it fully lands. Yeah. I think I think it lands but it doesn't hit hard enough. That's that's I guess what I have to say. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Um so I guess to end yes um comparing old guard to relic. I feel like this has been <laughs> a very negative episode. <laughs> I feel like we were really put in an interesting spot with reviewing these two movies and also comparing these two movies. So we decided to o- do this before we saw either one of these. Yes, because The Old Guard is just this big, mediocre action movie that's just kind of boring and nothing. Mm. And Relic is this really small, intimate, quiet, slow, little bit boring horror tragedy. And in the end, I just come out of it like both these more movies were pretty, pretty boring. But <laughs> it's like, which do you value more? Do you value like uh, they both? What I'll say is, I feel like both these movies left me feeling empty inside. But at least Relic, that may have been intentional. Like if I'd have to recommend one, it's kind of hard to say. Because I didn't love either of them. I personally leant more towards Relic and I did like Relic. But in the end, like, if you're not a horror fan, even if, like, if you're not a horror fan, I would really struggle to recommend Relic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're an action fan, I'd kind of recommend The Old Guard. Yeah. Like, it's it's a weird spot to be in because personally, I would say don't watch The Old Guard, watch Relic, if it was side-by-side, side, which I guess is, like, the point yeah. of this episode. Yeah. If we're going to side-by-side, one is better than the other, I will put Relic up. I would agree with that. And Old Guard down. But as a moviegoer, like, just looking to watch something cool, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I think... Here's the thing. You're going to go in with Old Guard sort of knowing what it is anyway. You're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to watch an action movie. And it's serviceable. Um, Going into Relic, you need to have something specific. And you're going to get something specific out of it. Yeah. Personally, I would say, yeah, Relic is the better movie. All right, Relic wins. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) What else can can we compare these movies to? I don't know. So I guess if you're like, oh, I only can choose one subscription service for the next month. And the decider was between Relic and Old Guard, I would say go Stan. I guess. I guess. Stan has Stan has some pretty good movies on it. Stan's generally quite good. Has a lot of good stuff there. But like, just on the basis of these two <laughs> movies, I guess Relic, but not by a lot. Yeah, I wish I'd want to I want to recommend it a lot more than I can. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just it's a very slow just very slow slow movie. But where the old guard is just a very boring movie. It's where relic is undeniably <laughs> art. 
As yes. It has a strong message. It's going for something. Old Guard is very much a product. Yes. And that's probably my biggest difference. That, that's a good content. I like that. I'm, I'm happy to wrap it up on that. That was... Ironically, <laughs> the Old Guard based off a visual novel. A visual novel? A graphic novel, you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, fuck, a comic book is less art than Relic. That's not a very great point, but I don't know. I was trying to work something with the comic book. I'm running out of steam. I'm struggling to process brain cells oh. at the moment. I'm running out of brain power for these two movies. Like like how these movies left me feeling empty inside, they've also left my brain feeling empty. <laughs>